You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode, we'll be talking about Def Leppard, Pyromania. In the room, I have Rob. Hey, buddy. Ben. I said a welcome to my show! <laughs> and on the line, I have Kyle. Lights, camera, sound. I need action? <laughs> <laughs> Pyromania is the third studio album by English rock band Def Leppard, released on the 20th of January, 1983, through Vertigo Records in the UK and Europe, and through Mercury Records in the US. The producer was John Mutt Lang, and the genre is glam metal, heavy metal, and hard rock. I'm going to read from All Music Review, Steve Huey. While Def Leppard had obviously wanted to write big-sounding anthems on their previous records, Pyromania was where the band's vision coalesced and gelled into something more. More than ever before, the band's songs on Pyromania are driven by catchy, shiny, melodic hooks instead of heavy guitar riffs, although the latter do pop up once in a while. But it wasn't just this newly intensified focus on melody and consistent songwriting, the heavy MTV exposure that made Pyromania a massive success and the catalyst for the 80s pop metal movement. Robert John Mutlang's buffed to a sheen production, polished drum and guitar sounds, multi-tracked layers of Vocal harmonies, a general sanding of any and all musical rough edges, and a perfectionist attention to detail set the style to much of the melodic hard rock that followed. It wasn't a raw or spontaneous sound, but the performances were still energetic and committed. Leopard's quest for huge, transcendent hard rock perfection on Pyromania was surprisingly successful. Their reach never exceeded their graphs, <laughs> which makes the album an enduring and massively influential classic. All right, what do we think of Def Leppard? Pyromania. It's a fucking masterwork of production. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. I'm not a huge, like, I don't know, what would you say, like, pop, rock, metal? Hair metal? Hair metal. Is this hair metal? Um, this is hair metal. Okay. This is, um, this is butt rock. Okay. What's is the difference? Is butt rock different from hair metal? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Please explain. Um... <laughs> I was really hoping to get to nope. Illinois rocks before I have to nope, nope. differentiate the difference between. I mean, the, on a personal level, I love this record, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. period. But it's butt rock, and I'm okay with calling it butt rock because you, I am a butt rock fan. How do you define butt rock? I don't even fucking know, man. Is it different from hair metal? It is. It is. is like, it? Uh, does this sound like Motley Crue to you? Does it this sounds sound, like the, they could be hanging the, out at the same party. Does this sound like Guns N' Roses to you? 
Does it sound like Warrant? I don't think Guns N' Roses is hair metal, though. Mm, does it sound like Warrant, though? I mean, does it, it sound like, like Slaughter? Hmm. No. Those are those are hair metal. This is butt rock. Okay, what's another what's another butt rock band? Is, is Poison? Is, is Georgia Satellites? Uh, no, Poison would be hair metal, but they, they lean into butt rock. <laughs> Unskinny Bop is an absolute butt rock <laughs> rocker. Get me out of here. Give me at least one other butt rock band. Guys, I did all of my homework on this, and I'm a little <laughs> bit drunk. I don't want to fucking like, go into the ins and outs of butt rock. Well, Hanoi Rocks is coming up in like three episodes. Of, Fine. We, we can break this down. Hard reset. What do we think of <laughs> Def Leppard's Pyromania? It's fucking awesome, man. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's a, uh, Def Leppard ha- holds a very special place in a Robert's heart. Um, hysteria specifically. Yeah. Um, but looking back at this, and also uh, Adrenalize, uh, that tour was my first show. Mm. So okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm coming in hot with the, uh, the, the Def Lep. High and Dry... Cool record. Great record, honestly. Uh, On Through the Night, pretty cool, like, rock and roll, like, record. At that time, they were going for more of a, like, they wanted to be Squeeze. Or not Squeeze. They wanted to be... Um, sweet? Sweet. Got there's, it. There, there's a great uh, quote from Joe Elliott where a fan came up and was like, Hey, I want to sound like you guys. And Joe Elliott was, All right, cool. Well, uh, you know, try to write songs like Sweet and Fail. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, 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 and that's what you get. I I can hear the sweet influence on songs like Photograph. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean, J- Joe Elliott's knowledge of glam rock is pretty fucking spectacular. I sent all of you guys like his like these are 13 songs that you probably didn't know about glam rock and they're, they're they fucking they run deep. Nice. And it, it it's cool. They came close to selling 250,000 copies of uh, High and Dry, and that that was a good stepping stone up from uh, what they did with the previous record. But Joe Elliott still, like, stuck working in the fucking, like, factories of Sheffield. All of them. Like, they, they, they come from a weird factory town, and rock and roll was going to be their way out. So uh, High and Dry sold enough for Mutt Lane to go, you know what, guys? I got some ideas. Let's go into the studio. And oh. and there is where Pyromania starts its thing. Because you know what they didn't have when they went in to record with Mutt Lang? Mutt Lang? A single song. Oh. They, oh. Had, they had nothing. Yeah, he does they, have they, writing credits. They went in with songs. zero material. Mutt, Mutt Lang has writing credits on every single one of these songs. I'm not, fam- I'm not that familiar with pre-Pyromania Def Leppard. Oh, man. High and Dry is fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah. so they can write songs without mutt. One hundred percent, yes. Uh, Heavier, more metal, less pop. I mean, it's it's more hard rock. Yeah, on through the night was thirty days. High and dry took twelve weeks. You know how long this record took? Eleven fucking months. Mm-hmm. Eleven months of them going into the studio and being and mutt being like, "Look, I will only work with you if a I have complete control." I'm gonna and uh, and that the a is all all you get. So the guy who came up with Back in Black comes up to you, a band who's like, well, I mean, we did pretty good, but honestly, like, I, I between tours, I'm still going back and working in the fucking Ford factory. Did Mutt have more control on a Def Leppard album than he did on an ACDC album? Mutt Lang had complete control on this record. Did he have less than complete control on, on say, Back in Black? Yes. Okay, so... Because they, they were coming in with songs that he was like... And, yeah. he's, and he's coming off platinum success. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So so here they come, coming in, 
doing the thing. Mutt Lang. In Mutt We Trust, I'm going to say it over and over again because, good God, six months in, five months into this shit, they had a chorus. They had a whole chorus done. They didn't have a fucking song. Which chorus, though? Uh, pretty sure it was uh, a photograph. Well, that's a killer chorus. Yeah. If only this wasn't a podcast and our listeners could see Rob's custom-made <laughs> t-shirt with iron-on letters that say, In Mutt We Trust. <laughs> because we do, spark, man. Sparkly silver iron-on letters. It was the best I could find at the price that no, I found it. it. it looks. It, it looks, looks fantastic. Amazing. I would buy one of those. <laughs> but yeah, so they, they, they come in completely nothing. And so, like... Lay down, lay down a couple of guitar licks, lay down a couple of bass licks, and then eventually over the months, like, Mutt Lang is just, like, piecing pieces together to form, like, what could possibly be a song. And not to jump completely forward, like, the way that this record was recorded is batshit fucking insane. Drums weren't done until the end. I don't I, understand how that's possible. I don't understand why you would want to do that. Because they had this going through yeah, the track. thing, and Mutt's counting off one, two, three, four. Is that what he's counting? Yes, that's what he's counting. So they have they have a click that they're playing to. So all of the guitar, all of these guitar like little demo things that they've done, like you know, he's like, oh yeah, well, well that'll work. Now do that three hundred times, right? Because we're gonna stack this shit. Um, but the very end is when the drums come in. Um, because Mutt wanted to have complete control over everything. The drums, and spoiler alert, none of them are played live. There is not a live drum on this record. It is a bunch of multiple different drums sampled into a Fairlight. It's like triggers? At half speed. Because At half speed? Here's the thing with the Fairlight. It had, uh, uh it had 16K of, uh, like... Of like memory. Memory. So if you if you were to so for for sampling purposes, um, if if you were to have a record mm-hmm. and you're playing it, mm-hmm. you're like, well, I want to, I want, I, I I love this loop. What you're gonna do is you're gonna put it on 45 or 78, and then you're gonna sample it and then pitch it down. That way, there's only this much sampled material, okay. but once I pitch it down, I can at least play with it. Okay. So like. 16 kilobytes is all they had recorded onto fucking like eight inch floppy disks and they were recording hundreds and hundreds of fucking drums like different types of snares different types of toms different types of bass drums imagine if Bill Berry was there and then (laughs) and then pitching all of this shit down to try to get rid of the aliasing that was happening because this is an 8 bit sampler wow there's no can I ask a dumb question you can please. Why not aim a nice microphone at the drum? Because the drums shouldn't sound like drums. The drums should sound. This is this is new rock and roll. It should sound well, crazy. They and sound weird. completely different. They, yeah. they sound completely different. But I feel like like Peter Gabriel was getting kind of weird drum sounds without having to. Not like this, man. Okay. Nothing sounds like this. Nothing has sounded like this since. This still sounds like the future. What in my in my in my, in my cans, this shit if, still sounds like the fucking future. What if I told you after all that work, I don't like this type of drum sound? I would say you don't like a drum machine. I think I like the way drums sound. I've seen them live. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I, no, I've seen them as a, as a young child, um, and the, 
this was when uh, Rick had both of his arms. You saw Rick with both of his arms? No, I saw him with one arm, but okay. like, th- th- this recording is Rick with both arms. Yes, yes, this yeah. is pre, yeah. pre-arm and, loss. And my, my brother and I would have like, like, well, which which record do you prefer? He was like, well, you know, like Pyromania's probably got the better writing, but that's only because Rick had both arms. So does Rick <laughs> only like, have one arm for hysteria? Yes. So the arm, Halfway through hysteria, Rick the, has one arm. But Mutt Lang is... Not letting him play a single beat on either one of those yeah. records. So, like, my brother's like, yeah, well, man, you know, just like Rick lost his arm in hysteria, so like the, the, the drums aren't quite as good. I was like, no, 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 friend. He never played drums on either one of these records, <laughs> sir. And that's, a, that, that, that's unfortunate. Uh, Rick Allen, regardless of how many arms he had as, as a, at his disposal, is a very good rock drummer. He's a great rock drummer. And I did. I, I saw Def Leppard at Deer Creek in probably like 2006 or 2007 with Dagan and a couple babes. And I was specifically watching Rick Allen because I wanted to see how he did it. He slayed. He he slays live. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was. He, he it had, was, the, he it had was this weird awesome. hydraulic lift that came up like for drum solos. And, like, he'd be spinning around on this hydraulic lift and just, like, his fucking feet are fucking phenomenal. And yeah. he's, he's doing the whole thing. But, like... Watching him play stuff that ben, he recorded with two arms... Ben. ...with one arm and two feet is so impressive. I'm bringing you back in. Okay. Those drum sounds are these drum sounds. Rick Allen, that you saw, was playing these drum sounds right, on that right, right. fucking tour. It so wasn't when the, you say the sound you I was impressed with. It was the... <laughs> it was the fact that he was able to recreate it with with 25% less limbs. Fair. Kyle, yeah. you're going to say something? Yeah, I I remember you liking Def Leppard a lot in high school and never <laughs> understanding. <laughs> but also shut up big subtle dig. I was listening to Queensryche and nobody else was. So but my my two biggest things about Def Leppard in high school was I saw that behind the music uh VH1 played it constantly. Constantly. And little teenage Kyle was like, these guys are a bunch of assholes. And um, 1993, the last Action Hero soundtrack, every fucking song on there is so good. Except for Def Leppard. Terrible song. Which song's that? It's this 1993 Def Leppard song. And that goddamn CD got What's stuck called, in my car Kyle? for like nine months during the pandemic. And I had to skip oh, it every I time. I that that got stuck in your car. <laughs> but... Uh, I've always liked Fool on and Photograph. Like, those songs are just, they're just powerhouses. And, uh, you know, when I put this record on, I'd never listened to this. I didn't expect Def Leppard to have a song inspired by the Deer Hunter. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Die Hard the Hunter? Die Hard the Hunter. Uh, do you want to hear a fun story about Die Hard the Hunter? Yes. Um, a horrible band called, uh, Lit... Uh, lifted the intro from their hey, album off we, of we know lit. Die Hard the Hunter. They had that what? song. They did? Yes. My Own Worst Enemy. That was lit, right? That was lit. Yeah. Yeah. That song was all right. Is that about the pants in the front yard? Yeah. 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 They, they, they lifted it. Guys, I, I just watched the... It wasn't the, the, the thing that you're talking about, Kyle. It was specifically called VH1's, like, Ultimate Albums. And okay. It was, it was 45 minutes of, like... New metal gushing about this record. Wow! That so with the dude from System of Downs there, dude from Blitz there. But my favorite was uh, Rob Halford's quote from it, which okay. was uh, 
when people look back in time to the importance of these great records, Led Zeppelin 2, Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's, Def Leppard's Pyromania will be there on the top 10 list. No, nice. that's not true. That's Rob Halford, baby. I this week learned that this uh, allegedly this album broke up Thin Lizzy. I oh, interesting. Heard that too. <laughs> No, I at least uh, according to according to Phil, who yeah. ran into was it Joe Elliott that he ran into backstage somewhere? I believe so. Yeah, and it 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 was Phil being complimentary, say saying that like, man, Pyromania is so good. I think that we're just gonna hang it up. Like, what, what, what how are we gonna do it? Theoretically, Thin Lizzy was already gonna break up, and yeah. and Phil Lynott was just using that circumstance to compliment another band yeah. on, on a masterpiece album. But uh, <laughs> I, I think it was Joe Elliott that he was talking to was talking about like he was so nervous to be talking to to, to Phil that instead of he's like, what I should have done has been like, no man, you guys just need to like bring it on your next one like well uh, Phil you just need to stop being a junkie <laughs> and don't die early cause that sucks if I could go back in time I'd tell Phil hey man just stop the heroin That I, I didn't know that that's great uh I did feel deceived by this album this week, How too. So? Well, <laughs> having the realization that no drums were played, <laughs> I was like, I feel like my childhood is alive. <laughs> because this is all the drum sounds for the next, what, 10, 15 years after this album so, comes out. Wait, so does, do they just sample it in the triggers and then like... Yep. Yeah, and it, then it, so is it just mutt with like a like a touchpad? It, it's it's a drum it's a MIDI drum machine controlling the Fairlight. Okay, so so it's it's programmed and sequenced. Yeah, with 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 triggers from technically a live drum kit that have been highly modified. No, it, it it's specifically the Fairlight is a synthesizer that is controlling all of these things and. Unless they had, I thought the Fairlight could sample. Is it not sampling a real drum set? Fair, Fairlight samples the drums, but the drums are then tuned down. There was no drum set involved. There was just pop. What, what, what's do, that? Do, 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 do. Put it down a couple octaves. So dong, dun, 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 dun. chorus delay whatever. Yeah. Um, he didn't do that with ACDC. Nope. Why is he doing it now? Because he has full control. He has, so that's he, what he wanted he has to a, do with He ACDC? has a complete vision. No, I mean, no, listen he, to this, he, This is what he wanted to do with Def Leppard. He heard High and Dry and was like, yeah. I can take you to the next level. And the next level is, these drums need to sound like they came from outer space. So, And these guitars need to be 40 it, thick. Pyro- Pyromania is a great album, and Pyromania sounds, from like a technical standpoint, it sounds good. But it's no Back in Black to me. It's different. I mean, it's very different. Back in this isn't rock and roll, man. This is not rock and roll. We're finally getting to it. Yeah, I, I want to talk about how this is. This not is rock the and roll. future of rock and roll. It, this is this is Bill and Ted <laughs> doing this thing in twenty twenty two or whatever. Re- okay, regardless of Mutt Lang's production, maybe not regardless because it, it, there's still there's still five guys involved. <laughs> Irregardless. Irreg- sorry, irregardless. <laughs> I don't want to discount the the five other souls in the room actually playing instruments. I know how influential you Mutt can, Lang- though. You you literally can. 
<laughs> with the exception of uh, Phil Collin, who came in as a like gun, uh, as a fucking like hired gun, yeah, who straight up replacing uh, Pete Willis, yeah, Pete Willis, like in first first try on the solo, getting it down. Now he's in the band. Oh, that not only is he in the band, he also is like, well, Mutt Lang doesn't have to fucking yell at him to do shit anymore. Yeah, like Phil Collin is the only like person who was like. So blessed with not having to do their part a thousand times. I'm gonna compare Def Leppard's Pyromania to ACDC's Back in Black only because they're both Muttlang productions. Sure. ACDC's Back in Black is very much a rock and roll record, and also it feels and sounds dangerous. It has that elusive danger of rock and roll. I find nothing dangerous about Def Leppard. Uh, like they they write good pop songs with thick guitar riffs. What about the, uh, the last the, minute of Billy's Got a Gun? No, I, I don't. I don't I feel safe. the danger. They, hmm. they they they're pretty and they're processed, and there's nothing left out uh, like left to chance well, with t- Def Leppard. There's take away the concept of like a rock and roll record. For a minute, and how do you do that? This is this is what glam would have been. Yeah, had I think yeah, like the, the, okay. this is the this isn't the future of rock. This is like glam, like the spaceship has come down and glam took over. Yeah, because after this, after this, we get the, the Hanoi Rocks, we get fucking like uh, Motley Crue, we get our fucking poisons, we get our horrible slaughters, our fucking shitty warrants, we get fucking horrible rat. All of the fuck like yeah. this is the spaceship that came down this- from glam, and then the fucking like hair metal scene like. Just grew from it. Def Leppard's Pyromania on paper seems like it's a rock and roll record. It's got all of the ingredients to be rock and roll record, but I don't feel any of the danger or immediacy of a, that's that, that, that's a click. That's problem. That's, that, that's the problem. <laughs> the, was this, he not the, using a click with Back in Black? Probably not. No. I mean, they probably wouldn't stand for it. That's what I'm thinking. Is that band has attitude and it's a yeah. it's a bar this is uh, a this is very much a transition to the to yeah. the studio i think it, rob's yeah right the sort of glam experiment the process the pop it's it's bringing it, it all in anointed it, 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 witches it, it, on the fucking yeah. like one it, it, it's, it's a pop record in the hard rock idiom yeah yeah you know? Yeah, absolutely. 100% yes. Totally. And it's a studio record. That's the big difference is mm-hmm. ACDC, they'll go play those songs, you know, like in any bar from Brisbane to Brisbane to Cal- LA or something, uh, you know? Sydney. Sydney. <laughs> but, <laughs> but at the same time, this is a this is a cons- constructed album.
didn't get to see Def Leppard in an arena, but I did get to see them outdoors at, yeah. at, at Deer Creek in Indianapolis. And this music, with its with with, with like its space to breathe, mm-hmm. and it sounds awesome. Yeah, outdoors. Yeah. and I'm sure it sounds awesome in an arena. Sure did. It, you know, like it's it's a, it's its own thing. It's its own thing. But I this I enjoy this record. It just it, it hits a whole different part of my brain and my ears as like a rock and roll record that I'm really into. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's different, man. But it also ushered in the idea of arena rock. Yeah, there a bunch of like hard rock and metal bands could play in arena. Right. But this is a band that will sell out an arena, and this was the first band that would sell out an arena. Like Van Halen couldn't do this shit, but they did after. Like Van, Van no one Halen sold out an arena before Def Leppard. Nineteen eighty four. Queen was couldn't sell out an arena. Not this way. No. Huh. No. Not 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 on the American side. All right. And we're um, talking about selling out arenas with sixty percent female audience too. They are pretty. The 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 boys in the band. They are cute. Yeah. That Joe I mean, is pretty interesting. They look good in a poster on your wall. You know what's amazing? Uh, Phil Cullen came into this band already. Like you know what? I don't want to act with it. Drinking makes me feel. Also, I'm a vegan. Also, I'm just gonna fucking lift weights all the time. Oh, yeah, to- My name is Phil Collin, and I am the teetotaling straight edge guy who can just fucking murder a fucking solo. Also, like just do amazing harmonies with the other Phil, other motherfuckers. Phil Collins' profile picture on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like a relatively recent picture of him. And he just like, looks like he's like 40. 50 or 60, just shredding guitar, shirtless, just rippling abs. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, like he's <laughs> the uh, uh, w- uh, William uh, from Cat Casual's brother. I was hanging out with him before Will took off to New York, and he was like, "Yeah, man, I, I read the Phil Collin like uh, like biography, and like it was just boring. <laughs> like, as, <laughs> <laughs> like by the time he got into like fucking rock and roll, he was just like <laughs> already a vegetarian and a bodybuilder. <laughs> All I do is practice and oh, lift wow. weights and eat zucchinis. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Yeah, I watched. I watched some 2012 footage of them live, and I just assumed that guy was, like, some ringer they hired. No, no. no. He, he was a ringer back in 83. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he was, like, shredded and yeah. just shirtless. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, fucking Pete Willis. Uh, he he got fired. Like, You'll never replace me! <laughs> yeah, well, how about this ripped dude? <laughs> well, how, how, about, how about this guy who just, like, drove six hours he in? He's, like, created in a lab to shred the guitar and eat cucumbers. <laughs> yeah, Pete Willis got fired because, uh, I mean... He was partying. Well, both he and the other guitarist were partying. Like, they they, they both never stopped. Just Pete Willis happened Steve to be... Clark died from partying. Pete Willis happened to be five foot... Ooh. Two, maybe, and, and was trying to, like, party with everybody else, but he just wasn't able to do it, so he comes in, fucking not able to play the fucking solo on stage, right to the point where Joe Elliott comes in after, like, Pete, just go fo- go home, sleep it off, and Mutt puts it on for Joe, and just like, ah, this is the worst thing I've ever heard, and it's just like a bunch of shitty notes. Sausage and, fingers. And they had been telling Pete, like, hey, man, fucking cut it out, quit it, like, let's just like let's do this thing he, he never got it and uh they tried to have their manager fire him their manager was like no fuck you you do your own fucking dirty work so yeah he came in they're like you're done and th- he was like really 
but I'll quit. And like, is it no, because I'm so drunk I can't play? Yeah. Yes. Yes. But he's all over this record. Like He had already laid down all his rhythm tracks. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. In previous albums, was he also doing leads? Yeah. Okay, so he had done like half his work. He just hadn't come in to do the, the overdub leads yet. Yeah. And, and, and even, so, yeah, even, they call Phil Collin just to punch in all the guitar solos. And then it turns out that like that's exactly what this band needed. Yeah. Um, and and, and uh, Pete Willis actually like says, like, well, you know, it probably saved my life. That's the most horrible thing I could say, but like they 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 kept me from killing myself. So I do. There's a picture of Pete Willis on the album because each on the on the album everyone has their own profile picture on the liner notes, but on Joe Elliott's picture you can see Pete Willis standing right behind him playing guitar. He doesn't get his own picture, but it's nice that he is represented because he does play on every track yep, of this album. One hundred percent. So it, it's it's cool that there's. That, that he shows up in a photo. You know who you else know? plays a lot on this record? Mutt Lang? Uh, Booker T. Boffins. Wait, I don't know that Booker T. I know a different Booker T. Oh, it's actually Thomas Dolby. Oh. Uh, under the pseudonym uh, Booker T. Boffins, he plays on a <sighs> shit ton of this record. Um, and he was, like, he had already had, like, blinded me with science fame. Uh, at this point, so he didn't want to like come out and say, "Well, Thomas Dolby's on this hair metal record." So uh, Mutt Lang gave him the name Booker T. Boffin. So uh, that's nice. where that comes from. But also uncredited completely on the record is uh, Tony K. of Yes, who is also all over the fucking uh, oh, that's cool keyboard. Um, the Leopardettes are uh, represented on this, but what the do Leopard- they do? Uh, they're all the background vocals, but those are just Phil Collin, Joe Elliott, uh, Rick Savage, Mutt Lang, and uh, Rocky Newton. But they're the Leopardettes? Yes. Okay. They're, they're the ones doing the background vocals. Alright. So, the Fairlight was used so much on this, it should have had its own like credit. Uh, to, to the point that uh, Mike Shipley... Uh, who was the engineer, um, said, we were recording Pyromania on 24 track. We spent a lot of months on that record. By the time it came to mixing, the tape was peeling off in two-inch pieces. Yeah. Like, wow. the amount of overdub and overdub and overdub and overdub, like, to the point... (laughs) The fact that this even exists is, like, bananas. Yeah. Um, with the way that they did it, and um, I, I know that had nothing to do with the Fairlight. I was, I, I was is, is this the first time that we? So we've heard we've heard the Fairlight. Yeah, we have a lot in, a in in the last couple of years, but mostly what we we have heard the Fairlight. We got Kate Bush. Yeah, we yes. got, uh, but we we we've, we've heard the Fairlight sounding like something Wonderful. something new. You know, like. Uh, sample something and then play it in any pitch you want. Normally, when you're listening to a record and the Fairlight, the Fairlight sample is used in like a a, a we like oh man, I know a way to make this track sound weird. Let's let's sample a burp and and play a melody in it, you know. Yeah. But a Fairlight is used so much on this record, but it doesn't sound like a synthesizer record. There is this the first example that we have of a tree using a Fairlight. As, in, a, in a camouflage fashion. As drum treatment, absolutely. Yeah. This is the first time that someone took... Because this is before, like, commercial... Like, I, I don't think the Insonic Mirage comes out for another three years. Like, which was the first, like, uh, budget sampler. Um, so, 
aside from like doing what a motherfucker who was in can did for like uh his like a holger the uh, holger's like tapes place and like this is what you got this is what you got to work with like is uh some weird digital sampling off the fairlight uh, other than like the the specific way that the drum strikes sound which couldn't be achieved on an acoustic drum set it doesn't sound synthy it sounds processed but it doesn't sound synthy no and there there really are pretty nice like synth layers in the background that you, you you wouldn't notice unless i told you thomas dolby was like playing synth on all of them right but it's almost it's you it's used to fill out the sound as opposed to being used as a featured sound yep you know but it is still a featured sound because it's because there's so much of it yeah i mean the the with the exception of the symbols and the the fucking uh, the the cowbell, like, are you saying that we're not whole... hearing anything resembling an instrument? Kind of not, man. <laughs> like this, this is fucking alien as shit. Like seriously, like thirty guitar takes, like for each track, to just to be doubled up on and then dumped down to a separate like track and then stereo panned. Real fucking weird. Like they like, aside from the fucking guitars. Like I, I got a quote off of this uh, tape op thing. Where when we were recording harmony vocals in the backgrounds, we we're usually like using Mutt and Rick Savage, uh, and they would do twenty to forty t- tracks on one part, then dump that down to twenty tracks onto one track, then do twenty more tracks and dump them down onto another track to make up a stereo pair. They so, had the technology. Why didn't they do this digitally? Why were they doing? They it didn't today? have the technology. Technology exists. The technology existed for fucking uh, Abba's arrival. Mutt Lang Studio didn't have that technology. This is all tape. That's why this is so fucking amazing. This is all fucking tape. There's no digital like recording whatsoever. Even the fucking but the idea of like digital recording like one gigabyte would have cost fucking ten thousand dollars at this point in time. No, like a million. Yeah, like like like, pyromania would have recouped. (laughs) <laughs> it, Pyro, so is, Pyromania is, incidentally recouped. Kyle, Kyle, is the last is the last minute of Billy's Got a Gun? Um, the last minute of the album is that just Mutt Lang going ham? What is that? I think that's it, Tom Do- Thomas Dolby going ham. It's okay. cool. Is it? Like that makes lot. sense. Yeah. Yeah. that sounds kind of like him. But yeah, uh, okay. so yeah. so going from uh, then they do uh, tr- uh, then they dump that down to a stereo pair, then they'd add the backgrounds to the part, bounce them back to two tracks, and then hand sync them back into the choruses. We'd EQ them, bounce them onto a two-track machine, and then I'd have to get the timing right, hit the play button, keep going until we got the timing right, and slide them in. Mike Shipley's engineering on this for Mutt Lang's, like, concept... Is probably why he killed himself in 2015. Like, oh no, man, that sounds it's insane. Like, and then from here, like, tormented for 30 years. No, from there it goes on to fucking like Heartbeat City, and then back to Def Leppard, and then again to Def Leppard. Like, it's weird, man. Um, no, that that might that might be putting too much on Mike Shipley's suicide. I'm so sorry, Mike Shipley's family for that. Birch, um, I know your musical uh, the, the 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 way your preferences lean. Yep. What's your take on how processed the recording was and what the end result was? It's interesting because I'm split. It sounds completely like Rob's saying. It sounds 
so processed. It sounds so compressed. But at the same time, it's like that pop element that if I can disconnect from being like feeling that rock needs to be raw, mm-hmm. then I'm OK with it. It's it's the it's the disconnection of from being like, this is not Slayer, right? This is not like the hard rock band that I uh, I'm looking for, like a purity standpoint, right? That band, you know, just needs an amazing drummer or something like that. Whereas this one is a completely fabricated element. I was thinking about this week because I'm listening to a lot of like metal that has like drum triggers and all these sort of tricks that you can use in the studio right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so they're not they're not elements that you would ever see live but at the same time it's pretty amazing to hear this 1983 because this this is the progenitor like this created poison this created all those other bands yep i don't know if i love def leppard as much as rob (laughs) But at the same time, it's incredible. Like, it's an incredible achievement for an album to sound like this and for Mutt to, like, produce this album. I I, I don't think I prefer it, but I think that I respect it. And it's a good time. I mean, it's definitely radio material, right? It's yeah. made for the radio. It's, yeah. al- it's almost as if, yeah, it almost gives me Spectre vibes of being like, this sounds completely... There's a theory behind why this sounds the way it does. And that's Phil Spector. It's like taking that and then just amplifying it by a hundred. Yep. He's taking the technology he has and he's like, you know what would sound amazing on every stereo and every car speaker and every thing? This would because it sounds that's so cool. processed and everything's so evenly cut and there's a billion harmonies going behind and the hooks are there. Like he's taking that and, and running with it. I mean, he had Joe Elliott yeah. going by word to record. And that, that's so impressive. And no, the, it, it's, it's and crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> it's impressive that Joe Elliott, uh, obliged. He broke down <laughs> multiple times to the point where Joe Elliott left the studio and went into the one next door. And next door, you know what you had recording? You had fucking uh, White Snake. The fucking uh, David Coverdale, like, was he's the lead singer of White Snake. And the Joe like goes in there and he just sees David Coverdale, like, knock out, like, the done thing in four minutes. And just drinks himself into a fucking stupor and has to, like, hungover, go back into Mutt Lang's, like, lair and be like, All right! (laughs) All right! It's weird for me because Mutt Lang is a a rock and roll producer and Def Leppard works in the rock and roll idiom. But I can only truly appreciate Def Leppard if I view them as... As a pop group, you know, as soon as I start pulling in what I expect from rock and roll, which is my favorite genre of music, Def Leppard and Pyromania falls short of my criteria Mm -hmm. to of what makes a good rock and roll album. But this is undeniably a great pop album. And it's a 
It's so it's, it's it's a pop album working in the rock and roll idiom. Think for it, just, it's, just, it's so weird. Just think yeah. for me, you think, know. Think yeah. for just one second what was going on on the airwaves at this time. It wasn't murmur, thriller. It, it was it was it was thriller. Mm-hmm. It was fucking Boston. It was Captain and Tennille. It was it was it was everything that was anti rock. Well. You know, when I was talking about disliking um, Def Leppard in high school, I don't think there was any music that was more uncool to listen to in like the early to mid '90s than Def Leppard, because you know, you know, you had Nirvana and all these bands killed it, killed it dead. Yeah, it's like Def Leppard is a return to what punk rock was kind of striving to obliterate, right? I I don't to strike against at least. I, I don't quite buy that. Well. Let's just I, theorize here. This is the opposite of DIY. This, this it is definitely not DIY. Although I guess you could argue Mutt Lang is DIY. No, 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 but, no, no, but no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get Mutt what you're Lang's saying. Mutt Lang's the man in in this scenario. <laughs> this does. I, I, I'm sorry. This doesn't sound like uh, the things that punk rock was rebelling against. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were going against stadium bloated stadium rock, and. Yes, studio production. Like it was against artifice. Yeah, this, yeah. Th- this doesn't sound this, like yes. This doesn't sound like Toto. But this does not. But it sound is like bloated stadium but rock bloated and high stadium. production. Yeah. No, th- this sounds fresher than what they were fucking like rebelling against. It's it. I mean, it's a punk rock was a strike against the process at the very least. Yeah, it's identity. Yeah. Well, guys, the. Someone was going to sell if, if you diamond took, amounts of records, and why not this one? I'm not. I'm no, not arguing I'm, against it. I'm just saying either. that yeah. if you took any of those punk rock bands that can't like, okay, well, he, if you uh, grabbed like uh, Gang of Four and you're like, hey, by the way, we're going to do this. By the way, you're not playing on anything. They've been like, fuck off. Like we're Rob, not doing Rob. any of this shit. Well, uh, just, just, just dead milkman, dead milkman, bitchy yeah. Camaro, Def Leppard t-shirts. So, so, they were a joke. Yeah, well, subtra- subtract it just back a little bit. Like, I-, I don't think that the previous two records would have been on punk rock's like "fuck you" list. Like that, 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 that. That's my. I mean, uh, I mean just I, guys. Let's I, just let's just think. Motorhead and, why and are Def you Leppard. Trying to tear my Motorhead brain. and Def we're Leppard. not trying to tear. No. We're just trying to identify what what does Def Leppard mean in the lexicon of hard rock. I, like I said, fucking Def Leppard in the lexicon of hard rock means this is like this is the shot heard around the world. This is yeah. why fucking okay. like Stadium Rock came back. Like, yeah. And yeah. So yeah, they they came up with a way to make this a viable like uh, it's, resource. It, 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 it it's it's sexy enough. To yep. have some ladies yep. go dance, but it's not so sexy that Tipper Gore's gonna be like, "What are you talking about, Rob?" Yeah, yeah. Like they, 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 they are they're riding a real weird fine line, but they're coming at it from a fucking like wonderful like uh, glam rock perspective. Sure, I think the 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 way this album was made has more similarities to ABBA than Motorhead. Yeah, and that's not a dig. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Uh, that's wouldn't, not a dig. I, at I wouldn't all. argue against it. Yeah. Or maybe our first digital record, yeah, for sure.
you and I, who have, I think we're both struggling to be like, is Def Leppard, like, do I like Def Leppard? How do I feel about Def Leppard? I I like Def Leppard. I also like ABBA. But I don't get the feeling from either of them that I get from listening to Motorhead or ACDC. Right, right. Ben, can I can I uh, spin golly you for please, a minute? Please, please. Uh, can you go into that Def Leppard uh, record? Yes. And can you pull that record out, please? Working on it. Where's this can, going? Can you? Uh, is that side A? This is side A. Can you look at what the uh, the little ring around the uh, the rosy is there? Oh, is, this, mean, is this a magic trick? I mean, etched into the etched into magic? the, the, yeah, the etched, etched into the, um, the the run out. I can't read it. Can you tell me what it says? Sure. Okay. All right. So uh, on the inner, at least on the the first pressing, uh, we have ourselves a. Uh, if you're gonna be a bear, be a grizzly. If you're gonna be a bear, be a grizzly. What's that from? I don't know. What's that Cannonball from? Run, you sons of bitches. I don't know why that's etched into any of this, <laughs> but the fact that they have a Cannonball Run reference. All it, right. Okay. Weird it, ass it, Def Leppard. It now Burt Reynolds me, reference. It now gives me the same feelings as uh, Motorhead. I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he says that. Uh, uh, Rock of Ages, it's better to burn out than to fade away. Is that a new young quote? 100% it's absolutely yes. a yeah. new young quote. Do you also, think um, oh. when Kurt Cobain quoted that line in a suicide note, do you think it was because of Neil Young or Def Leppard? God, I hope it's from Def Leppard. I'm pretty sure it was Neil Young. 100% Neil Young. <laughs> I would be well, bummed. I'm, well, since Courtney wrote <laughs> it, maybe it was Def Leppard. I don't know. Oh, come on. I'll see you in two years. <laughs> All right. Let's All talk right. more about right. it. Uh, my favorite quote thus far from any of the stuff I saw in uh, Def Leppard's uh, platinum albums you must know about on VH1 was uh, the cameraman. The photographer said, everyone's a cunt when they're drunk. It's just what kind of cunt you are. And Pete Willis drunk was a grade A cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. And that's why he got fired. <laughs> Who said that? The cameraman? The, the fucking photographer. <laughs> For for what the guy that took the band <laughs> pictures? I think all yeah all the yeah. band pictures. I think that I'm gonna believe that hourly wage photographer over the label. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> you know. Uh, let's talk about the album cover. It's very cool cover. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's very uh, cool cover. Looks like a who did it? Like a tank crosshairs. Crosshairs uh, on a on a glass glass window building. Did yeah. you guys look it up? I did not. Why well, did you have that on a shirt? God, no, I, I had the Adrenalize, like, tour shirt. It I look, wish I did still. It looks kind of, it's amazing because it, it looks, it does, you know, represent the band very well. It looks futuristic, but at the same time, it it does look dangerous. It You know, it has that it sort of. It looks danger- more dangerous than the band sounds, <laughs> okay. in my opinion. But it has the, it, you know, what they're striving for. Only in hard, hindsight, hard buddy. Rock and the, you think that in 1983 this sounded dangerous? 100% yes. It to, Maybe to someone who hadn't heard Motorhead. It didn't sound like anything of its time. I'm sure this album sounded dangerous to the mother of the 13-year-old girl that bought it. I'm sure the mother was like, this is dangerous. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I, 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 I enjoy Pyromania. Nah, and I enjoy listening to it, and I loved seeing Def Leppard live. Andy Airfix did the uh, the album cover for this, also for Hysteria. Yeah, the the the, the Pyromania thing 
threw me down a really dumb rabbit hole. I googled uh, Def Leppard, uh, and then it underneath the the search was like 9/11. I was like, "What is this? Is and this so, the album cover that's proof that they're Illuminati?" Yes, this is this is the album cover that pr- that is proof they're Illuminati. <laughs> and uh, also, uh, my favorite thing was that uh, all music producers are anointed witches. From that same article, which we will definitely be bringing up. All of them? uh, uh, Every single fucking one. If you've ever recorded an instrument to tape, you're a witch? Every every fucking (laughs) one of them. Um, Def Leppard is one of only two bands that came up with two Diamond albums in the uh, the 80s. Only two bands had two Diamond albums in the 80s? One was Michael Jackson, one was Def Leppard. Michael Jackson is the only person that kept this album from hitting number one Billboard charts. exactly. And Def Leppard had this one in uh, Hysteria, Michael Jackson had this one in fucking, uh, or had Thriller and Bad. There was no other... Both went Diamond. Double Diamond... Nope. Uh, artists, that's really interesting, yep. actually. Uh, Mutt Lang is the only producer that's had uh, five Diamond records. Really? Um, he did two with this one and three with Shania, Shania Twain. What's what, what's Diamond? One million? Ten million. Ten million. I thought 500,000 was gold. Is there nothing for one million? Apparently, ten million is our... Platinum. 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 Okay, platinum. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, I was... Conflating platinum with diamond, diamond. is yeah yeah crazy. yeah diamonds crazy uh, and the the fact that they were on tour with uh, uh, Billy Squire and Dude, I didn't realize that Mutt Lang was the Shania Twain producer yeah but it makes perfect sense also I believe her husband yeah they married okay okay that's why this is all feeling familiar to me yeah I feel I'm thinking thoughts I hadn't thought since the nineties. About, like, Shania Twain and who her husband is. Yeah. Get those Shania Twain thoughts. Yeah. You know, like, sometimes, like, in, like, 1995, you're like, who's she married to? She's a babe. Like, Oh, he's a, he, he's a weird-looking dude. Like, just oh, happens to... Mutt Lang? Huh. All right. Oh, what, what you got going for you? <laughs> and then, oh, you know, all fast, these records? Fast forward to 2021, and then I'm um, having that thought again, all of a sudden. So you're Mutt Lang. That don't impress me much. <laughs> I'm going to keep going here, Birch. I'm sorry that no. you're trying to wrap it up. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, th- this album goes diamond. Hysteria goes diamond. Thriller keeps this album off the uh, off number one because it's fucking Thriller. Um, Christgau, though. <laughs> our, our dude. Yeah, what, what does he say? Fucking right, there's a difference between he- new heavy metal and old heavy metal. The new stuff's about 5 BPM faster, and the new lead singers sound not only, f- quote, free, unquote, white, but also more or less 21. C. Kreisgau didn't make any sense at all, but he gave it a C. Kreisgau wasn't wrong about there being a difference between new med- new heavy metal, a.k.a. Pyromania, and old heavy metal, a.k.a. everything that came before. Five beats per minute faster, though. That, th- I, this but th- there is a difference. Kreisko has listened to heavy metal. He's listened to everything from Blue Cheer. To oh, Black, did he listen to, to, to fucking to, Black Sabbath? Or, I'm sorry. Judas, I'm sure he did. Judas Priest. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he's heard all that stuff. He apparently And he notices that this is different. It's it, from... From from the from the bones of this record, it's, it's different from it's to, it, it's to a click track and nothing's actually played. It's different from heavy metal. Everything's played. It's just 
pasted exactly where it needs to be pasted. This is different from heavy this metal. This is actually one of the best sound collage records of all time. I was going to say, this is maybe the rise of uh, what we called like Pro Tools albums or, or something mm, like that. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, this is definitely a like, yeah. how did you, when the where and the how, what? How did you, you construct did this? Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, the, the, this is complete. Like, when we were talking about Queen and, like, oh, well, the tape was just running dry. Like, this had tape sloughing off in two-inch pieces. Like, yeah. that's how much, like, they went fucking into the fucking paint with this. Yeah. Um, they did. Oh, it matters to me. It's an amazing story. I encourage everyone on this fucking stupid podcast to order a copy of Tape Ops magazine fucking, not, Tape Op at magazine number 118 from April 2017 a beautiful like interview with Mike Shipley before he passed um, and worth and your time Mike, Mike Shipley being the the engineer under my life. Yes and also it's going to come into play for Hysteria which is coming up in a couple of years I will definitely be reading that interview Yeah I know that Dr. Roxo is supposed to be David Lee Roth. Yeah. But like when I was listening to this album and listening to like the Joe Elliott vocal takes, I hear a lot of Dr. Roxo. Absolutely. Especially the intro to Stage Fright. I said welcome to my show. Mm-hmm. He does cocaine. He does. He's I mean, a, he's a rock and roll clown. That's a that's an interesting uh, you bringing up uh, Van Halen, too. I mean, just the difference from Van Halen to this this band. Mm hmm. Is, is at least the, the Van Halen that we've covered. Yeah. 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 1984 is coming right around the corner. Yeah. And it's going to be a very different. Exactly. So. Yeah. So I I, uh, I think that's interesting because we've heard, the, you know, Van Halen's intro and that is a completely different sounding album than this Def Leppard album. Barn burning. But once 1984 hits, mm -hmm. it's going to use all the technology. It's becoming the standard. Jump, this, baby. Yeah, this will will influence that. It'll be the standard until Nirvana. I wouldn't say that. I mean... Well, for, pop, for pop hard rock? I would say so. I guess we'll we'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah. yeah. Let's let, let us find out. Ben, I want you to look uh, very carefully at the... Uh, the, the sticks that things are printed on and tell me what's wrong with this uh, back cover. All right. Is everybody on the positives? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like Pyromania. Uh, yeah. 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 I'm seeing match sticks. Okay. I'm on the positive I'm, as well. I'm talking specifically the track listing. Oh, the track listing. Very end. What you got? Billy's what? got a gun. Okay, so Billy's got what, what's above Billy's got a gun coming under fire. Ah, there it is. Oh, uh, that, on, that's uh, not correct. On the first, uh, the, the the first issue of this record, the uh, coming under fire and action not words were were switched. Oh, oh. So, all right, next. All time. right. No, I love this record. It's a positive. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, come back. Hiya, buddy. <laughs> right. Die hard, the haunted. I don't. I don't like this Def Leppard record anymore. It's too late. All right. <laughs> Next time we'll be talking about REM Murmur. All right. Thanks, y'all. Uh. <laughs>